0: Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror in media, and today, we're still under quarantine! <laughs>
1: yeah, it's indefinite, as far as we know. As far as I'm st-
2: know. still in my underground uh, lair in the Philippines.
1: You said Singapore last time.
2: Si- oh, we've <laughs> we moved. We've moved. Oh, you moved it? We gotta move, okay? We gotta move around.
1: How did you get to the Philippines? Shh.
0: <laughs> and- uh, anyway, despite all of this, today we're discussing Kubo and the Two Strings and Moana. We're doing like a non-horror episode today because John was like, in the chat, he was like, I really want to do Moana. <laughs> and then I was like, well, if we're doing Moana, then I think we should also do Kubo and the Two Strings.
1: You know, we had to do something a little more uh, lighthearted, up- uplifting, maybe. Yeah. Not uh, yeah, quite so. so scary. I know Kubo's kind of melancholy, but still. Uh, they're both animations a little bit more light than what we usually talk about. But doesn't lack on material and uh, things we can talk about.
2: Kubo and the Two Strings.
1: Yes, Kubo and the Two Strings is the entire name of the film. <laughs> Ironically, this both of these films were both released on the same year. I didn't realize that until I was going oh, through shit. the outline. Yeah, 2016. We keep doing that. We keep choosing films released the same year. <laughs>
2: Pretty oh, sweet.
1: Without realizing it. We're like totally just choosing films we think match up and they usually are released the same year. So
2: fucking crazy.
1: But...
0: Well, Cuba on the Two Strings was directed by Travis Knight, yes. who's also Lakeia's CEO, She's the production company. Production company? Yeah, production company. Yes, this movie.
1: production company. And it's kind of crazy that that's his first film ever.
2: The movie was written by Mark Hames and Chris Butler. Stars Charlize Theron yes art she is parkinson. the monkey
1: and art she's parkinson. so good <laughs> art parkinson is cuba
2: okay matthew mcconaughey has who is the, he has the
1: beetle
0: beetle
2: oh <laughs> um, uh, also we got Ralph Phoenix, Ralph rooney mara
1: as the grandfather and then rooney mara is both the sisters
2: oh shit she was killer yeah and george takai though
1: yeah you can immediately recognize his voice when he says something uh, he's the older gentleman with his young daughter and he's like taking her around the, the town
2: oh, yeah. oh yeah. then carry her hiroyuki tagawa
1: yeah aka shang Tsung from mortal kombat
2: Yep. Yeah,
0: <laughs>
1: Which is fucking awesome.
0: One of the funny things about this director is he uh, has has a former rap career um <laughs> where he made like one song that is uh it's it's pretty nineties. Wait, he made just or, like, one 80s. song. Yes, he made a song called uh it was like chili something or other, I think, like chili beat or some shit. <laughs> I, think, oh, I don't my know. God.
1: We have to find <laughs> it and link it.
0: I, I posted it I posted it, it's right fucking in here. That's fucking awesome. It's called Chili Tea, Get Off Mine. Well, how long He talks about <laughs> like, getting off his dick. It's Wait, 20. how old is he? How old is he at this point? I don't know. Travis, I don't know. Oh, That's, Travis Knight, how old is, is he? Yeah. But Travis Knight has a, a history in uh, the rap game.
2: He is Fuck so 46. That's Brad right there.
0: It's hilarious. Um, but the movie itself made $60 million. Oh no! It its budget was sixty million, and it made seventy seven point five million. So it just barely made a profit. Uh, um,
1: oh, we're back to Cuba. Sorry, I was. I was, still, yeah, right, I was like, Kubo. you mean his rap career? Like
0: what? Yeah, we should, we'll, maybe we'll put a song in the episode or something. Put like a snippet from it we're or whatever. That, like, that is the fucking CEO. <laughs> this is the CEO doing rap now.
2: CEO of Leica, which I mean, this was their first like film, right?
0: Not Laika's first no. film. It
2: was his
1: uh, directorial uh, debut.
0: Yeah. Oh, I see. That, I see. That Laika produced were Coraline and Paranorman. Yep.
2: Oh, perfect. Yeah, they Those also... Those are really great movies. They also did The Box yeah.
1: Trolls and The Missing Link. Oh,
0: thanks.
1: Yep. <laughs> um, and then they did a little bit of work for, like, The Corpse Bride uh, and A Very Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas, which is kind of funny. Hey... hey. They did the stop-motion claymation in that movie.
0: Oh, shit. Yeah. I'm like, there's extra tickets in there.
1: There's a piece of contract work that they did, so that's interesting. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, I, I, mm, 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 This is such a good movie. <laughs> it's so pretty looking. Uh, it has one of, like, it sets some records as well. It set a record for having one of the, or, like, the largest stop-motion puppet Yeah, they said on it was set, 16 which... feet <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. 400 pounds.
2: <laughs> 400 pounds. What the
0: yeah, fuck? man, that's crazy. It's so, and at the end of the movie, they actually show it to you too. They'll show you like um, it moving around the green screen and stuff yeah. like that. And them programming it and whatnot. And you can see the, like at the very end of the movie,
1: that's something that stood out to me for the film was that the monsters they created in Kubo were really fantastic. And they reminded me really heavily of playing, like, through a campaign or something, and you run into this uh, creature in some location, usually looking for an item. And in this case, it was Kubo looking for the pieces of armor.
0: Yeah, the sword, the sword, the helmet, and the uh, armor itself.
2: Yeah, yeah that, that's what like, I was like, uh, telling you or spoke about earlier. It reminds me of a D&D campaign, like a one-shot.
0: It really did. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean it's it definitely has that. I mean Kubo is is the bard. And, uh, you cannot deny it. He like plays um, the shamisen and it fucking just like it, it, and he uses it to make like the uh, those origami creatures and origami things. And I love I I just love that.
2: I love it. how it works together and like how uh, they all just fold magically. I mean the the paper chicken. Come on. The fire-breathing chicken, it's <laughs> just a lot of, out of fun. Its ass? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, like I like what that. you told
1: me earlier, Mitch, about how Kubo was scamming all these people.
0: Yeah, no, he does though. He like walks out and he just, I guess, like, I guess narratively, it's actually because he doesn't know the end of their story because their story hasn't ended yet. Right. So the he only tells what him. he knows, and it always goes right until the sun sets.
1: Yes, exactly. So that
0: he has to leave and he can't finish it. He always does that. So he's basically kind of like scamming people <laughs> because he's not giving them the full product. He's like, we'll come back tomorrow. Maybe I'll finish. Right, <laughs> Starts exactly. them all over again.
1: Um, I also <clears throat> really liked the play- the instrument playing in the film. I actually don't know what that instrument is called. Do you guys it's know? It's
0: called the Shemison.
2: The Shemisen. Oh, cool. Yeah. It is a three-string instrument primarily, and it is a very high-pitched, uh, just string instrument from Japan. Yes. The tuners are giant, and it gives you that twangy sound that you want, yeah.
1: but not yeah. twangy like uh, a banjo. Uh,
2: in a different. It's like it's a the Japanese
0: banjo, though.
2: It's in a different like category i'd say
0: yeah yeah exactly tuning is uh i believe it's it's cgc for the strings so it's really strange because it's got like two of the same notes like open and whatnot and that one note that's just kind of what like a few steps a few steps off just a few steps
2: Also I have to use some weird kind of plucker with it as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, they use a different like there's a different kick entirely for it.
2: It looks there's like,
0: some interesting videos you can find of, of Shamison music and whatnot, but it's very well used in this movie for sure.
1: Okay, cool. The the music was or the score was done by Dario Marianelli and he did a lot he's done so much music, uh or scores I should say. Um he did like V for Vendetta. He did um, The Box Trolls, which is another movie we talked about. He did Bumblebee and Pinocchio. So he's just all sorts of different
0: movies. (laughs) I don't think I've seen, I don't even think, was that that the live-action Pinocchio or something? Or another animated one?
1: Wait, actually, no. I never saw that. This is a different one. Uh, Oh, no, that was a live-action one. Never mind. (laughs) You're right what was interesting about the film too is that even though it had a lot of uh critical acclaim for being a really really well told story there was some criticism for it um being uh, perceived as whitewashed because most of the cast was not Japanese it was mostly white people
0: <laughs> yeah I I read I read something about that and then I guess Lakeia or whoever whoever it was uh maybe it was the cast it could have been Travis himself I'm not I'm not sure don't quote me but they essentially said that they just picked, like, they just had people come forward to, you know, audition for it, and who showed up and auditioned are those who did. Right. And so... Yeah, he was trying was, to... That yeah. was basically what they said, essentially. And they also were trying to say that it wasn't, like, set in Japan. It's just, like, themed that way. I don't know. I don't huh, know. I'm not trying to... Say, I'm just saying what they said.
1: No, yeah, I get you. Um, I mean, they mentioned that it had a specific influence... Um, that came from like a, a specific painting woodblock style that he, they really intended to make the whole film look like that and look like a moving woodblock print. So that was some of their influence as well as just folklore stories that they had heard from Japanese lore, um, which would, which is where that giant skeleton comes from.
2: That was dope.
1: Yeah. Which is really cool. Like that. I, I don't, I didn't know what to expect when I first watched it, but but watching it through a second time, it's really impressive. To see, to know that all of the things on screen are, are real and that they're little puppets that are just stop motion.
0: Yeah, it's it's a fact. I, I, I mean, and... excuse me, Leka, Leka has just been killing it as far as stop motion stuff goes so like one of the only studios that like actively still makes stop motion stuff yeah, yeah exactly like even in modern like you haven't seen much like at all recently because it's it's really time consuming it's a hard medium to work with i would imagine it
1: takes years just to make uh, a a single movie so they usually don't get a payout until very much later so most people yeah. don't want to invest in them
2: yeah it makes a lot yeah of sense. Um, the art but... of stop motion just it's it's time yeah, it's, take, you
0: know. it, it's easily one of the smoothest stop motion movies I've ever seen. Oh, right, and yeah. uh, it's, and it's full of some great storytelling. And well, I don't know. It, it's got some great motions for storytelling. It's got some great characters in it. You know, everyone loves the monkey. At least I love the monkey and Hanzo, aka the beetle. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. There's so much about this movie. It's like there's like too much. <laughs> for me to go over there's too many characters there's too much like good production going on in it good performances from people it's funny also and it doesn't stray too far away from wanting to be adult either.
1: yeah that's what i was gonna say it handles some pretty adult themes for being quote-unquote like a kid's movie uh it deals really heavily with death and what happens after you die and possibly uh growing up with with one parent or without either one Mm -hmm. and then heavy ties to your family and how there might be some internal dispute. Mm -hmm. But what did you guys think of the beginning? They both, the both films technically start with a narration or a story. It's kind of like an introduction to a play that you would get in a theater. So what did you guys make of those?
2: Um, yeah, it, it very much has that style to it, how it opens. I really like the opening of Kubo. How he says, if you blink, uh, basically like the evil will consume you or whatever our
0: hero's story will surely end or hero will surely perish well it's
2: like putting
1: responsibility onto the the viewer they've brought you into the story and it's like if you got to blink blink now because you have to watch the story and what's going on like essentially the character needs your help right so it's like a. you need to
0: pay attention
1: yeah don't pay attention
2: take your eyes off of it (laughs) you're engaged
1: Yeah, totally. And it's probably a good thing to do um, to make it engaging for kids who are watching Mm because, like, you know, they might be um, kind of uh, not wanting to sit down for a movie and then they might hear something like that and they're like, okay, like, I'll listen for a little bit. And then it's intended to keep their attention for most of it. It's really melodramatic.
2: Yeah, it was super funny, especially when he uh, does the actual story himself you know like in front of the crowd i mean he has everyone just like begging for more enjoying themselves like even the little kids they want to see an ending like you i mean you have that older gentleman that's like come on like stories are meant to end yeah and you know as a a narrative thing you know he doesn't know the ending but he has all these people around his finger because of the way that he tells stories he is a storyteller
1: Which makes sense. He plays the instrument. He's able to tell a story in that way. And it's how they keep most of the audience engaged.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It begins mostly with him telling the story. You get a little bit of what happened to his mom. Uh, We don't have a clear explanation, but what do you think that kind of says about him and his parents and the relationship he's having to kind of um, build with her where she has essentially no memory of him until like short moments where she does remember him?
0: Well, Monkey explains explains the uh, past events how right. they were supposed to go kill Hanzo, and then Hanzo tells Monkey or tells um, uh, 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 Saryato. Saryato.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Is that how it's pronounced. Is that how it's pronounced. I don't know. Am I doing that right? I think so. sariato Yeah. And Saryato and Hanzo are fighting each other because he's supposed to be assassinated because the Moon King thinks he's too crazy. Awesome. Yeah, and that then... was a
1: that was a really specific. Like, I feel like that's like a, a Greek mythology for the gods because a god got jealous or was threatened by some human who was really strong and was like, "We need to go kill that guy." And so, yeah. he had the same <laughs> he feeling. Me somehow. <laughs> well, it's it got really cheesy because Honda was supposed to well, his uh, Kubo's mom was supposed to kill Honda, but then they just ended yep. up falling in love. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly, they duel for a bit and then are just like, "Damn,
1: pretty hot." <laughs>
0: yeah. What does he tell you her are that? My quest. Yeah, exactly. You that's are it. My
1: quest. Yeah, he's really like, yeah, the shit."
0: <laughs> yeah, and then I mean, I mean, they explain everything basically that you know the grandfather wanted Kubo's eyes so that he could see in the world.
2: You know, that was the only part of the narrative that I was just like a little uh, confused about. Just, like, uh, I know when we got to the third area of the city with the the helmet, and then we finally meet the grandpa and hear his, you know, his basically his problem with Kubo and, like, his family. Uh, why does he want his eye specifically? You know, I get... And, like, near the end when they were actually defeating the dragon, impressive as it is, I mean, I was just wondering. I mean, the stakes were all over the place. I really had a hard time understanding the narrative of the conflict
1: uh well i mean i I took it if you guys could help
2: make sense sense of it i i would very much like appreciate it because i was just like huh i'm trying to make sense of this abstract material right now and it's not working (laughs)
1: um i took it as the so i think for the grandfather he was technically speaking blind on Earth because he couldn't see anything. Normally, anyone who was blinded the way he was, you wouldn't be able to see anything. But because he was like God status, he was able to still see, but not quite the same. So the reason why he wanted to take Kubo's other eye was so that he would be just like him. He or wouldn't, He wouldn't have like any empathy for all of the people um, that live on Earth. And his mom didn't want that to happen to him because he'd already taken one of his eyes.
2: I see.
1: That's what I take it as, but it could yeah, be right. it, also. Brain, I think
0: it, it's a uh, the reason why he doesn't why he wants Kuba's eyes is so that Kuba would be blind to the earthly world around him.
2: Yeah, and be as essentially, called... and it's like
0: blind blind to his own humanity
2: yeah oh Oh, yeah exactly essentially
0: so it's a blindness to humanity which is sort of alluded to there i understand why it's confusing but that's that's but that's why his eyes are crucial to that moment why him missing an eye is there why they're looking for them got it yeah
2: all right
0: thanks
1: (laughs) um It does have interactions between the grandfather, the mother, her sisters, um, even Kubo with his own parents and then having to deal with them passing. What do you think this says about the relationship between parents and children?
2: I think in the beginning of the movie, it's very, like, it's a very respectful kind of thing. It's reminiscent of China, how you're supposed to take care of your elderly uh, parents. In the beginning, Kubo was just, you know, making food and making sure that his mom was all right right when she has bad dreams wakes her up and tries to help her that's what i was getting from the beginning of it um as it moved on i mean he didn't know who his father was he until you know near the end of the movie he finally realizes that uh family is much more than just uh the people you are blood related to it is everyone else in your life you know the old lady right who was with him as well as the people who listen to his stories and the townspeople to I mean that's a part of his family as much as anyone he was blood related to
1: yeah and he has to deal with that too at the end because he thinks that his parents are gonna kind of get restored but they aren't
2: which is yeah. kind of hard to watch <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a tough scene, especially in a kid's movie where usually they have a happy ending. And this one, he still has to deal with the grief of losing his parents.
0: Yeah, after it, like, it's kind of like his mom sets it up in a way so that he gets to spend, like, the last moments of his life with his parents. Or not last moments of his life, but he gets to spend, like, the last moments of this journey with his parents. He doesn't do it alone. Right. His mom makes sure of that sort of idea and basically like puts herself into that monkey statue
1: right yeah she gets like a version of her uh, that assists them
0: yeah exactly the non the non-broken version of herself <laughs> and she is the mommiest monkey ever yeah it's there's great. like so many like it's the way that she talks to her um, the way that like all of the inflection and everything it's all like this is a mom
2: yeah make sure you eat because you're going to be weak and if you're weak you're gonna die.
0: <laughs> I'm supposed to be protecting you, and I'd rather you not be dead. Sort of thing. And then, like when Hanzo shows up, or the Beetle shows up, who is also Hanzo's just his dad who got transformed instead of killed. You know, right. coming back. Yeah, and then they, but it, he still has to face both of them dying.
1: Uh, the I end. mean, in the beginning, when he's trying to basically contact his his dead father it technically doesn't work because he's sort of still alive
0: yeah exactly so
1: that's that was definitely something that was not picked up on until you get later on into the film you're like oh actually he wasn't dead at that moment so it makes sense but yeah, a
0: lot of details in yeah this film. There's, there's a lot, a lot of, of small details like that
1: um i also really liked the symbology that they used in it especially with like Say the the crescent king, or I'm sorry, the moon king's like helmet that has like a crescent moon on the top. Just like cool little details like that. Uh, Hanzo's like sigil, I guess, on his uh, armor is really cool. The the it's like a bug kind of.
0: Yeah, it's like a Hercules beetle, I think. Yeah. Uh, Something
1: like those lines. So it's just it was cool to see that. It's cool to see them kind of develop that storyline, and then it was really to me, it felt like both of the movies including Moana were both rooted in some tradition or in in, like a specific heritage in this case is probably like the Polynesian culture or um the Japanese culture and that was kind of the main things that they were focusing on and then sort of built around that or within it
2: right they uh they have a good amount of respect for the culture that they're basing it off of yeah they do a good job of representing it I think um Moana more than Kubo, but yeah. Moana hits it on the head for sure.
0: Right. Kubo does a really good story while sort of doing an homage to Japanese culture without like getting really deep into it, whereas whereas Moana like just goes head first and oh, dives yeah. all the way into it and goes heavy. Like gets the whole cast to be Polynesian, gets the entire like everyone has to like be like on board with it and be the correct theme essentially. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't believe that one is right or wrong. I think they're both just art. They're both handled differently. That's what I got to say about that. (laughs)
1: Um, During the film, uh, the monkey has a moment where she's talking with Kubo, where she talks about how important memories are. And to kind of hang on to that, what do you think that sort of meant, like, in the context of the story?
2: Memories play a big part in Kubo, of course. But the symbol—the uh, symbolism of them, you know, like we have that whole scene with the lanterns in the water. You know, Kubo gets excited because he could t- actually talk to his dad uh, who's dead, you know. He could actually do that. So he prays to it and then he gets really dumbfounded because it doesn't work. And um, that's the thing. Like the memories of our loved ones always – there's like – uh, the old woman and the monkey explain it, you know, people die, but their story goes on. And then Beetle explains it further that, <laughs> yeah, uh, that like, you know, your uh, their story of themselves will be passed on through their word of mouth, through generation, through generation, from one person to another person. To another person, to another person, and he kept on (laughs) going and going. going. Great. (laughs) And uh, she was like happy that she would die, knowing that uh, Monkey would be happy dying, knowing that you know Kubo was safe and his story was passed. But Kubo wasn't going to leave. You know his mother and father's story to be left behind. You know he's going to honor their tradition. He made a lantern for them at the end of the movie. It's just. It reminds me a lot of uh, Coco. And the other movie that had to do with Day of the Dead, uh, because if you Oh the Book of Life. What yeah, the Book of Life, yes. Yeah. Oh those, great those such movies, a great okay. movie. Yeah. Uh but they explain that uh in the underworld or basically like the de- the land of the dead. If you completely forget about your relatives, um when, you know, uh Dia de los Muertos? Yep. Is that what yep? Uh, basically they are gone forever as is like one of the beliefs I think yeah, and so... essentially
1: if you don't remember them every year or if you don't keep some sort of memory of them alive that they will kind of pass from that next realm uh, because nobody's remembering them
2: exactly so there's that belief and it's like you're trying to keep a hold on that so that's why people who celebrate that day they go out they make a fa- their favorite food or they put like you know, candies and coins, uh, near a picture of them because they're just trying to remember the, the dead and and they remember the good times. And, uh, that's the thing about memories. Like they always live on and you will pass them from another person to another person. But that's the only way that you can. I mean, imagine talking to your mother or father about a grandpa or grandfather that has passed away. They will tell you hours upon hours of stories, (laughs) uh, in their childhood and you would never get that unless you talk to them about them be like hey how was growing up with grandpa right and she's like well you want to know how it really was
1: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly
2: so memories play a good part a big part in a society's role especially with between humans uh not so much monkeys but monkeys are still pretty cool
1: I mean, the the memory serves uh, both the function of something that's important for all of us watching it for the audience, as well as how the story kind of progresses. With Kubo, you have um, the mom kind of getting bits and pieces of what had happened before, um, giving it to Kubo, who doesn't really know who his father was and how he kind of came to be in the, the family feud that ended up happening. And then in Moana, the memory is of how did the people that live on that islands now stop voyaging and why do they do that and then the grandmother kind of introduces her back to essentially her own culture and then it progresses the story forward and that works really well it also kuba also deals really heavily with death and how people feel about it and possibly how you might deal with someone's death uh, especially like someone who's close to you so a parent um, or a child and so in this case do you feel like they were able to handle it well and present it in a way that was digestible for like a kid as well as a parent or a kid as well as an adult
0: i think laika went pretty complex with this one but like i feel like i feel like children can definitely figure it out because i think they're a little more clever than we give them credit for sometimes right but as far as Kubo is concerned i feel like it's more complex than moana moana definitely was was not as you know i mean it was very more straightforward I would say.
1: Well, Moana and Kubo deal with different stuff. They don't They don't deal with death in the same way.
0: Absolutely not. No, they don't.
1: Yeah, Ku- Kubo... does don't was... even deal with
0: heritage in the same way either.
1: No, they really don't. It's essentially, um, Kubo seems to me to be more about the lineage that you're kind of born into and then how you can honor them once they pass. And in this case, he's dealing with his parents being gone and how he's going to grow up kind of without them. And so they give a harsh reality to this character and something that might be relatable to people. Um, Whereas uh, Moana is intended to be inspirational for people of uh, like their own culture who feel like once they find that heritage again, that they can then move forward. Because uh, Moana is more of a uh, like self-realizing story for Moana, how she kind of is trying Mm -hmm. to find her own place in the world. Um, yeah exactly where Kubo doesn't really know much about himself and he so he's trying to get pieces of how his family came to be and that's how both of them handle those storylines differently but
0: well damn that's a good take
1: <laughs> uh why does Kubo end that way though I know it's important in that it's a good way to kind of bring realism to the story but man it's sad <laughs> and like
0: well well here's well, well here's what I would say is that you have all of this, you have all of this that you have the grandfather chasing down Kubo, right, and trying to take his eyes away so that Kubo can be blind to his humanity and immortal. He's like forcing immortality on this child <laughs> in this movie. Basically, is what's going on. He's like, You can live with me in the sky and mortal, right? And then Kubo basically just says, You just don't want to like face the people here and face all the realities of. Like the world itself, just right. while you're up there and you want to live forever, so that you don't ever have to be remembered. Like immortality through memory versus immortality through, um, like self mutilation.
1: It's like yeah, magical means <laughs> some yeah, silly... exactly,
0: exactly. Like taking the easy way, right. quote unquote. I suppose it's also um, kind or of... taking the natural route. But basically, he at the end he forces his grandfather to. Um, basically, be unable to only see himself through other people's eyes, yeah, by not being able to actually see himself and not know who he is. So, Kubo kind of puts him back to where Kubo was at one point,
1: yeah. No, that, that makes sense. He will, like, at yeah, it makes sense because, uh, t- well, technically, he couldn't see, so it, they were doing a lot with the storytelling in regards to. The blindness that's used and what exactly the character was blind to and they use it in different ways where the grandfather is blind to all of the uh, emotional turmoil that's happening with the people on earth as opposed to um, Kubo doesn't really know what's going on with his grandfather and the other members of his family and they do it really visually where he has he's lost one of his eyes so he has to wear the eye patch so he kind of is stuck between those two worlds and that's one of the physical ways they represent it on his character
0: he can see some things but all right relating to his family lineage
1: yeah so exactly so he's he's kind of blinded to the uh to his own history and then has to kind of like reveal that as it gets through the story but i think they handled his grandfather's character in an interesting way because normally the villain just dies or someone kills him or like they're able to really hurt the hero, but in this case, he was able to find some way to sort of save him.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like redemption for his grandfather, basically. Yeah, exactly. Making him not remember. Yeah, pretty much.
2: <laughs> but everyone remembers that he's a sweet man that gives gold coins to little children and talks to older women. It, but <laughs> right. they, yeah, yeah, they it was So well, they cute. Basically, like it is, it is
0: so cute. I love that. I love all of the ending lines and whatnot but it's it's sort of like they they take this this character that's supposed to be wretched and awful and then they make him only able to see himself through how other people are seeing him and the people choose to see him in a positive light and give him all of this positivity in order to change him as a person
1: right exactly to experience
0: love on the world basically and that's kind of that's kind of what i got out of it anyway
1: oh yeah
2: definitely um it's a, it's a good hero's journey for sure it
1: is uh yeah those. Oh, they're both hero's journeys but <laughs> <laughs> yeah really hardcore uh if you look yeah. for it you could possibly find the hero's journey in almost anything but uh not everything has it it's interesting yeah. it's an interesting thing to judge some stories by or to like find the elements because people really like the hero's journey because it's designed to make you interested in the beginning to go along in the adventure and then to feel like the characters, like, all hope is lost for this character and then seeing them sort of transform to be able to meet the goal at the end, to be able to fight whatever it is that's stopping them, and then can either end very happily or end in their death. (laughs) And most people like tragedies, so that's why the Greeks like their tragedies.
0: Yeah. Yeah, tragedies are pretty uh, well-loved. Among lit nerds. Oh, totally. It's
1: yeah. <laughs> true, Astorian. Yeah, Astorian. <laughs>
2: Why do you like this story? Red. Well, like, the guy is forced to roll a boulder up a hill for all of eternity just to watch it roll back down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like Jesus.
0: Damn, you would like that fucking sucks. Like. <laughs> like <laughs> hell yeah
1: oh, man well that sucks hell yeah that's a it's a great moment to move on to another movie
0: <laughs> yeah i feel like i feel like this is a good segue to moana right yeah, Exactly, moana. great disney movie um, let's start with some production notes for moana
2: yeah. uh it is it's a musical no I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I mean it is a, I a Disney like, oh.
1: movie so of course it's gonna have its little musical scores although not as many as I would have thought <laughs> um but I the only one that I was kind of like oh this is cringy uh was was Maui's song and the little crab song for some reason both of them were like oh man I don't know if I can sit through this
2: yo those are those two are my favorite songs in this movie <laughs> they
1: would be you guys are so janky <laughs>
2: Oh, i was <laughs> no, just like the rock singing. Barely has any auto tune. It's a fun, yeah, you know, song oh, about it's enjoyable. The
1: myth. It's just it was it was kind of cringy for me sometimes.
2: And then the shiny one is just
1: what was cringy? Stupid. Just just the the songs that came
2: on for them. <laughs> oh, like you're welcome and yeah. shiny.
1: Yeah, it was, I think the song is literally called "Shiny," which is really funny.
0: But it's, yeah, that's a yeah
1: it's funny though he tells the the crab tells a story about when he was like little and he was so uh, like unappealing and he just made himself uh attractive by putting all this shiny stuff on his shell <laughs> that's like the whole song and it's really funny because he's like singing it to him uh or he's singing i do it like to that Moana. there's like
0: literal like there's portal planes hopping in this one oh, just yeah. gonna go to another plane of existence no problem okay <laughs>
1: yeah they, i mean they go to like some plane where uh monsters exist so they were like giant monster plane here we go
2: yeah they're literally fucking godzilla's in there
1: yeah for real. <laughs> i mean it was good it was it that was like the magical elements that they pulled from the polynesian culture and from um like different places in the the island area so like There's stories um, that are taken from, like, Hawaii. There's stories that are taken um, from, like, Fiji and Tahiti and other locations like that. Like, they pulled from a large area and created this one, uh, like, narrative. And it's interesting. They, You know what? For two white dudes that made the film, they did a lot of – they did a good job of collecting people to help them. They had, like, uh, experts that they would refer to whenever they wanted to talk about a piece of the culture and be like, is this being done respectfully? And they were able to guide him, guide both of them on a direction that made the film really respectful. And there wasn't really anything that I felt like was done in poor taste.
0: No, not yeah. at all.
2: They hit it pretty well. I mean, the thing is like the, the they got a lot of the stuff, correct. Um, the Polynesians actually like were people who would, you know, actually travel. And then eventually they just stopped traveling. And that was a actual fact that did occur Within history. Um, But I got to say, like, Moana herself, I mean, should we get into production notes or do you guys want to just go right into it?
1: I mean, the only other thing that I feel like should be mentioned was that uh taika ytt wrote the original screenplay but then he had to leave and go take care of like his newborn child so he handed it off to someone else and he jokes that the only thing that was left of his original draft was like the intro which is uh the exterior ocean day
0: and that's like the only thing left (laughs) have you you seen the movie what we do in the shadows yeah it's pretty funny. yeah it's a it's a funny movie i feel like quirky vampire vampire movie (laughs) like but it's like good for like a horror comedy. Yeah, definitely. Like we we haven't done a horror comedy episode, but wow. I I don't want to like detract too much, but I feel like that we that would totally be a good one to do cuz it's pretty hilarious. We
1: did Krampus, which is horror comedy.
0: Yeah, but that was like for Christmas Yeah, that shit. was that was also Christmas theme though. But we should do But it is horror comedy, but like a different. We should just do a horror comedy one though. We should do what we, we
1: do. Yeah, show. That's a good one.
2: Yeah. Um and then, Anyway. Okay, yeah, forever. no. That so, that bit, so- <laughs> god damn it Mer. so I, I i was trying to make the point here <laughs> so yeah. in the beginning we have this excellent narration about the story of maui stealing the heart of tefiti yes. and it's like supposed to be like all grandiose and scary and Moana's is just the only little kid that's just like whoa hell yeah, yeah. Excited. the grandmother is like the- telling it yeah, the grandma is telling the story, and all the kids are like crying and fucking scared for their life. Mama was like, "Yo!" And then she, she is a prince. She's gonna be a princess of the village, correct? I mean,
1: technically, she's she a- says she's not the princess. She's like a daughter of a chief, so she will be chief at some point.
0: Yeah, she will be there. She will be the leader of their group.
1: Right. Yeah, she'll be. She'll essentially become the leader after her father, um, which he's like training her basically to like meet the needs of the people and like help them guide them and things like that but she's she spends the whole beginning of the film feeling like she has another calling which is to start voyaging and getting to go to the ocean um, but she doesn't know where it's coming from and kind of gets some more guidance from her grandmother
2: i think what's really great as well in the beginning is that um she has that ultimate choice to why the ocean calls to her So uh, she has the choice to go see the shell or help a baby sea turtle, and she chooses the baby sea turtle. And that being, like, a selfless act, like something just, you know, you helping out nature, the ocean chose her to be the bearer of uh, the heart of the Phoebe eventually and the one that will restore it. Right. Um, And the ocean plays with her too, which is really fun. Uh, like, fucks with her hair and shit and uh, basically just – you see really great visuals from Disney right here, just, like, of sea turtles going against the uh, the water, like, you see all the coral reef and tons of fish. It's, like, they got the water so well in this movie, as well as just, like, beach in the animation that, like, I'm, I'm still stunned just thinking about it oh
1: yeah they're they had like a giant team working on this and they are pretty much expert storytellers at this point whenever they make films because they are able to find just the right team for it and in this case they had a lot of people who like there was a team dedicated to just (gasps) Moana's hair (laughs) oh shit just to make sure it looked right it flowed right it looked um appropriate for when it was wet when it was dry uh like if there was sand in it things like that which is crazy they did the same thing on the movie brave when uh, merida had her her big curly red hair yeah they had to have a team, well, team for, for the hair yeah just for the hair
0: <laughs> wow that's
1: insane yeah so they they put a lot of work into it and it shows and fucking they made a lot of money i think they like let me see it was like six times the budget i think they made they did um they their budget was 150 to 175 million. They made 690 million off the movie, Jesus. Which is like a massive amount, and it's also an international movie. They didn't just release it in the United States. It got released across several different countries. In some places, they even had to rename it because of certain like uh, rights to other movies. So in some places, it was just, it was just released as Oceana, which is a really weird title.
0: It is a strange title.
1: Yeah. But so you mentioned that at the beginning you had the intro and then you had the scene where she kind of gets chosen to restore that. Do you think that moment alone was the only reason or was it more of like her father or her family like that was kind of selective for that?
2: Well, I feel like she was a great candidate for him and she's wearing that flower crown she's very active she's like an action adventure hero right as well as when the blight comes upon the land with the coconuts and the traps that have less and less fish i mean she's resilient to the offer like you know we should probably destroy the roots and then plant somewhere else like she doesn't fret over problems she tries to find the direct answer which is why she eventually when you know she figures out that they're they should go past the reef to actually get some stuff right um it comes so natural to her like oh yes well we're dying yeah. we're not dying but people are going to be starving soon because the light the land isn't giving us anything yeah then i guess we'll just go we do across the reef it. and that's when you have the uh the subplot the bear the, the very minimal subplot of her father um who lost his best friend while they went past the reef
1: i mean it's a it's a really good way to give a solid reason why he wouldn't want to go out past the reef because he's had a traumatic time in his life where he lost his friend and then was just trying to keep everybody safe after that um especially because once the heart was taken there was all these creatures that were around in the ocean and they didn't want the boats to keep getting attacked so they they're that's the reason why they hid the boats and told everybody like, no, we're going to stay here. And they had been there for a while. Um, They, they have this moment where the dad takes her up to the top of the mountain. And is like, look, this is where all of the chiefs have put a stone slab on top of here. And every time they put one on top, it raises the entire Island up, which is a really cool piece of symbolism. Um, But it also shows how long they've been there. It was a good way to establish a timeline with not so much content. Like it was a good piece of exposition
0: it was it was a showing and not telling situation yeah
1: exactly um and it's really meaningful too in the ending when she decides to instead put a shell there because they're done with that island and they're finally able to go back to voyaging
0: yeah exactly it's like the end of the, the end of the uh the line basically
1: yeah and they're gonna restart in another place because they've sort of rediscovered a piece of their culture
2: we have to talk about how amazing the grandma is and all of this as well.
1: Yeah, I like it totally uh makes me cry every time I watch it when she is uh basically dies and gets passed on into like the chosen animal that's that's on, tattooed on her. Right. Which is yeah. the manta ray? Yeah,
2: yeah, I I love how Um, throughout the montage she's always dancing and then uh her she talks to her and she's like you're like a crazy old woman and she's like i am the village crazy old woman yes don't you know
0: yeah she's great you know what she reminds me of kind of what she kind of reminds me of the grandma from um fucking uh uh summer wars
1: uh, yeah that's true she's really headstrong she doesn't really have anyone who's kind of telling her what to do she even at one point says uh, I'm his mother I don't have to tell him anything <laughs> like yeah, she's, exactly. she's very confident in herself and kind of goes her own way even though people think that there might be something wrong although what's interesting is that they don't really seem to notice that she's just not aging <laughs>
0: Yeah,
2: exactly. because of
1: having the, the heart like it's keeping her alive
0: yeah so that she could go do it but she never does
1: right well that's the interesting thing is that she ends up holding on to it but then really willingly gives it to moana and this is like at her peril like she does it knowing that she's most likely going to die and that's like i didn't know how to take that for the character because they sort of used the death of her grandmother and the restoring of the heart as like the catalyst for the film where it's like this is what sends moana off on her journey
0: yeah she's gotta go take care of something yeah
1: and it's it's like immediately after that or she kind of knows too because like the lights go out but then they find a way to bring her back into the story by having the like blue glowing manta ray that shows up in the ocean when does
0: it when does it i don't I, i must have missed the part where the stone keeps someone alive longer
1: uh well well the grandma has it and she, like, mm-hmm. pretty much stays the same age or doesn't look that much different while Moana's growing up. And then as soon as she gives it to Moana to take, she dies.
0: Yeah, that, that makes sense. I never read it that way, but that's such an interesting take on it that I want it to be true. <laughs>
1: well, it's a it's I the reason why I think that uh, and why I've seen some stuff about it is because. The heart itself is, it contains the power of creation. It was like the the, the goddess. and life. Yeah, life and creation. So (laughs) it would translate, or for me, it translates well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it it translates really well. I just didn't even see that. I didn't even see it.
1: Uh, I was really, uh, I always end up getting really moved by the moments that she has with her grandma too because she has really realistic moments with her where she wants to know more about her own culture. And the grandmother kind of leads her a certain way and doesn't do what her father does. Instead, is like, no, you should follow that voice inside you and figure out what you want to do. Like, where do you want to be in the world?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And sort of pushes her forward onto that journey. And this one follows her her really closely to the hero's journey. I mean, it's
0: at her own sacrifice, too, that she pushes her along as well. I mean, with your read on it, I mean... It's there you go. That's 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 she puts herself. It's honestly more her death means so much more now.
1: Oh, yeah. It's just it, it means a whole lot, too, because uh, she doesn't tell her exactly. It isn't like she goes to her grandmother and tells her what's wrong. And the grandmother's like, well, this is what's wrong. Instead, she gives her sort of the tools to move forward. And that is in a way more meaningful. And I feel like it's what grandparents do. They 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 sort of are able to teach you in a different way than your parents could. And for her, it was it was reconnecting Moana with a piece of her culture that she didn't know about, which was in this case, the voyaging of her ancestors and how they decided to stop. Um, But she, of course, felt the huge urge to go to the ocean. The song that she sings is all about how she gets called by the ocean.
2: Yep. It calls me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like literally a line in there.
2: Also, I fucking hate you for making me watch this movie because this song has been stuck in my head for three fucking days straight. And every time I I hear a different song, I'm just like, yeah, thank God I forgot it. Oh, no, it's back. (laughs) It's fucking back. You're welcome. Uh, you're that talking, one too <laughs> you're talking
1: about the one she sings at that uh, she sings yeah. it in the beginning and then she sings oh, it. it has
2: like so many reprises they play it like <laughs> fucking four or five times so yeah.
1: i'm glad that you brought it up because there's a reason why they do that so if you pay attention to the words of the song when she sings it at the beginning she's really unsure of herself she feels like she has this calling to go out And then in the middle of the story, when she sings it again, she's sort of found more purpose in what she's doing. And the lyrics change a bit where she's more confident. And then at the end, when they play it again, the lyrics are completely changed. And she figures out that everything she was sort of looking through the whole film was inside herself the whole time. And her grandma kind of gets her to that point, too, where she tells her like, hey, if you want to go home right now, you can and I'll be there to like support you. But she hesitates, and she even asks her, she's like, why, do you, why are you like hesitating in this moment? And then she realizes that everything she was sort of looking for was pretty much already inside her, and she just needed the connection to her own heritage and then to literally go on that journey across the ocean for it. So there's a reason. <laughs> I, looked right. at, I looked at all of it, and I was like, this is actually really good. Um, and mostly because it, it ends up being a really relatable moment for a lot of people who sort of feel similarly where they want to sort of find something outside of themselves that they think is going to fix a lot of their problems or guide them to a certain goal. And what often happens in these stories is that uh, every bit of confidence they ever needed for these things was was inside them the whole time. They just needed the confidence for it.
0: Oh, that's (laughs) touching. Uh, People, you just need to look in yourself and just go forth.
1: Oh yeah, no totally. Fear.
0: Be fearless. Go forth. Tackle your dreams.
1: Well, like the character development from Moana is is crazy. It's so good. Yeah, it's
0: really good. It's really good. It, it it's very it's it's linear, but in a good way. Yeah, it's, it just kind of it starts off from one point, gets to the other one.
1: It builds I mean, really well on itself, is what it does. I,
0: I mean, we were discussing earlier that um, she has like uh, her rebirth moment. It follows the hero's journey like really well. And yes. a lot of like development from her, she becoming like a strong-willed, like uh, self—not self-serving, but a uh, self-reliant individual.
1: Yeah, she she fills the role of becoming a leader and is going to eventually be the chief at some point. And it makes sense you know, for she, her character.
0: She encounters like 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 I would say Maui ends up becoming like almost a roadblock as well as a mentor to her.
1: Uh, Yeah, because still,
0: he, cause he helps her sail, but yeah. he also, like, keeps her from getting to her destination by being an annoying douche. <laughs> by just being, like, an asshole, essentially.
1: He, he has an interesting piece of character development, too, because he is a demigod that just wanted to be loved by the people. And was not trying to do anything ill-intentioned, but does something pretty terrible to try to get praise from people, and it didn't work at all. And he's sort of like the reason why the story gets set off, but he has character development where, uh, in the end, where he's really concerned about the hook that he has because it gives him all of his magic, but he pretty much shatters it saving Moana in a certain moment, and, uh, I mean, it does get restored at the end, but he in that moment he's willing to sacrifice like his own magic to fix all yeah. of his mistakes, give it all up, yeah, yeah. Exactly.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. your your love of Maui is all over the place. At first you're like, "Oh, this guy is yeah. just a very selfish dude." And then he comes in, and you're like, "Oh, he's arrogant, but I love his song." <laughs> but I love his song. <laughs> also, <laughs> he's a it's he's a great <laughs> he becomes a great teacher with like really snarky remarks, and he makes the comedy work in this movie. The Rock does a really good job voice acting and singing. Yeah, he does. In he- my opinion, uh, you, you know, everyone has their opinion about The Rock singing in this song. But uh, I enjoyed it, and I like the lyrical content because it explains about the creation of the world. Like, hey, you look at anything like grass, trees, coconuts, like you could thank me. Like, <laughs> um, I,
0: I mean, I did a tiny bit of digging onto Maui as like a as like a folklore. He's more like a folk hero yes. type of type of uh, character from like like Polynesian mythology. Um, and he kind of, like, there's, like, a one story I'll say is he's, like, the trickster god, so he's, like, yep. their version of, like, I don't know, okay. Loki, <laughs>
2: or
0: Satan, or something like that, you know, kind of deal. But I wouldn't say he's, like, fully Satan. No, I think he's a little different than that, I would say. But closer to, like, Loki. Yeah. Or uh, who's, the, who's the Greek trickster?
1: Um, I don't know. I can't remember the name.
0: I, I don't know either. I'm really bad at that. But anyway, what I can think of. But he kind of... One of the stories he has is he wants to figure out where fire comes from. Yes. And so he, like, in order to do this, he puts out all the fire in the world. So he's like, okay, well, now, then I have to go talk to the fire person and ask them where this all comes from. <laughs> so <laughs> let's put everyone's shit out first. So they're all in the dark. And then, I don't know, it's just it's just really, like, a douchey way of doing things. I don't know. He's kind of an asshole. Uh,
1: we we but... also talked about him in a previous episode.
0: Oh yeah, the teeth episode because yeah. he dies by getting crushed by a toothed vagina.
1: Yeah, obsidian teeth in a goddess's vagina.
0: <laughs> yep, because he wants to turn mankind immortal and then he flies in there as a snake trying to get up there out through her mouth to make humans immortal and then she crushes him with her yeah. vagina teeth.
2: Uh, vagina dental. <laughs> oh no.
1: Yep, yeah. It's yep. We totally talked about it in, I think it was teeth and Feast, I think was the comment. Yeah,
0: yeah, when we did those two movies. Yeah, it's like
1: our. Fuck, it was like our fifth or sixth episode. <laughs> you
2: guys talked about it. <laughs> I wasn't
1: even. Right, Murr was uh, on the yeah. later episodes. <laughs>
2: I was sleeping. <laughs>
1: what? So, what do you guys think this says about uh, Moana as a female character or about feminism in general?
2: I think. I like the way that Disney is going about their new, uh, like female character right. like leads. Yeah, because they're not really oh, I need my prince charming. Yeah, exactly. I need to just like get saved. Like they're taking action. They're they the princess. They're kicking. Title. They're kicking ass and taking names, man. <laughs> Like, they get bombarded by those little coconuts, and she's fucking full helm at the fucking rig just trying to kick their ass.
1: I love that she like, gets up there with the paddle and is just like, coconuts. And it's like, time to do, like, baseball hits. Yeah, I,
2: exactly. I love it. I was like, oh, they're kind of cute. And they just, like, they, like, scramble to make themselves look all, like, Mad Max-like. Yeah.
0: It's yeah, great. all the ships and everything with all the—it it totally is like an homage to yeah. Fury Road. It's officially
1: and an homage to Mad Max Fury Road. They've they've mentioned that in several interviews and on like the production notes and everything. Oh yeah, it looks like that. It's too. fucking great, and they're so weird. They're like little creatures that can fit inside of a coconut mm-hmm. and just carve out like faces. Or like Kokomara something. or something like that. Yeah, That's exactly. Wonderful. Okay. Which makes sense. Yeah, Attracts. <laughs> it's like one of the names for something like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would I would agree with Mer that this is Disney taking their female characters in a different direction. At least one example of it. They've done it a couple other times. Yeah, they've done but, it.
1: They've done it with yeah. um, Brave. They did it with Merida. They also did it in um, the Frozen movies, where uh, the uh, where Elsa is kind of like she has no love interest. She's like the main um, protagonist of the story, along with her sister. And so it's like yeah. those two are really good, um and then like I can't really think of any others though besides that. So it's like they're just sort of getting into it. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, so I would. I would. Well, except for Mulan, of... but like that's that's a that was an older one.
2: Okay. Yeah, uh, Mulan
1: was pretty also. <laughs>
2: fun fact about this trivia shit though i just wanted to bring it have you guys seen uh racket ralph ralph breaks the internet
1: yeah i love that movie
2: so there's that one part where they go into the fucking uh disney princess area yes or uh vanellope does and uh she's like meeting all them, and moana's there of course and then uh she's like meeting all them oh i'm snow white i'm a I'm Belle, you know, and then Brave, the chick from Brave comes yeah, up Merida. and starts speaking like, yeah, some crazy, heavy, hard Scottish or whatever. Yeah, you can't, and then, <laughs> can't even understand a single word she says. And then they're just like, oh, yeah, she's from the other studio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just dying when I saw that. And it's fucking great, too, because uh, in that uh, the scene where they save Ralph, uh, they actually use uh, Moana's fucking uh powers of the ocean to save fucking wreck it ralph
0: yeah they do that's really? what you totally do uh, i, I so. totally missed that i missed that movie.
2: yeah it's thought. so crazy because they all use their strengths as princesses to fucking save wreck it ralph yeah, in that powers one scene in that
1: movie it's yeah interesting
2: yeah so fucking disney princesses now i guess because they're all technically i mean like They are technically still Disney princesses. You got to market to young girls somehow. They're becoming more uh, action oriented and able to get things done rather than just sit idly by and just be passive.
1: Well, yeah, they're realizing pretty quickly that um, younger women are not wanting to see a princess that's going to just, like you said, sit off to the side. They want someone who's very involved in the story and they want a main protagonist who is going to be just like all of the male heroes that you've seen so far and yeah. Moana does a it's, really good job of that because it's she has no love interest she has no real like connection with anyone else besides what she has with Maui and she's really set on her own goal and is able to get there uh with his assistance and if and obviously the assistance of her grandmother and the the ocean that's helping her but like the entire story is about her and there isn't really anything that deviates from that and it's refreshing to see something like that because most stories would kind of place her into a side character.
2: Yeah, it's great, and then the how she restores the heart of Tefiti at the end. Yes, uh, awakening the giant from this lava form. Because the thing is, like, the entire story is just trying to get the heart back to Tefiti, right? Um, and Maui couldn't do it. Maui didn't have his hook. Right. The ocean couldn't do it because, I mean. Have you seen the ocean try to touch that lava creature
1: <laughs>
2: well, they so did, yeah they
1: did the really only person,
2: the only person like or force of nature that could have done it was Moana because the ocean chose her
1: yeah and it, and it also gets at the idea that the way to handle the situation wasn't with just force, with kind of like the brute force that was coming from Maui. it was coming from Moana realizing that the giant creature that they were talking about is actually Tafiti and she was transformed because she had lost her heart and her approaching her the way she does really calmly and telling her, like she even sings a song about it and is telling her like, this isn't her, like she's not there to hurt her basically. And then there's a really special cultural moment where she gives her back her heart and then she touches her forehead to hers and to anyone who's like Filipino or Polynesian, that's like the breath of life. That's like when you do it with somebody that you really care about you will touch foreheads and that's kind of your exchange of life. And so to put it into the film that way was really important because it was sort of Moana saying that she was returning the heart as well as like telling her she understood what had happened. And in this case it was taking something really personal. Mm -hmm. Damn! (laughs) It's just, it was just so, I, I remember watching it and I knew about it because um, I, I've known people who are Filipina and then, uh, my ex-girlfriend's mom was Filipina and she, she did that to me. So I like immediately recognized the motion and then I looked it up and I was like, yep, that's exactly what it is. And it, it's really cool to see, uh, a small piece like that put into the film. And then she does it again later after, uh, they talked to her, they talked to Tiffy in her like very green, grassy, flowery form and, uh, She kind of says goodbye to her, and then she lays down again as, like, the island. Goes to sleep. Yeah, and just, yeah, essentially goes to sleep. Um, But how did you like the ending of that film? How did you guys feel about her returning and then kind of getting everyone to move on from the island?
2: It's... Yeah, it's a good one.
0: I I don't know. It it, it just is kind of like, okay. I like... like
2: she yeah. realized
0: that it's easy to survive on the you know oceans that her people can do it. They shouldn't be as afraid to embrace the roots.
2: Yeah. Well, I think it's great because Hey Hey is still alive.
0: Uh, the chicken. <laughs> yeah. As long as the chicken survives.
2: <laughs> no. Uh, I like I like how I didn't even realize the whole thing about the coral. Or, sorry, the conch shell on yes. top of the slabs. Yeah. So that entire thing just, like, shook my like <laughs> shook my whole perception of the ending now. Because it's just like, oh, yeah, we'll put a slab here for every, like, what was it, year generation that we live here. And it makes the island bigger or whatever.
1: Yeah, it puts a bookend on that period of their history, which was only on yeah. an island. And, and
2: then uh, she stopped, stopped that history because now they're going outward.
1: Yeah, the, and it tracks well with history in real life, like you mentioned earlier, where they don't exactly know why the Polynesian people stopped voyaging. They assume it was, you know, changing tides, um, sort of like climate changes and things like that. But they did return eventually to voyaging again. And this movie kind of fits well with that period of history. Oh, yeah. And and it works really well. And that ending, uh, what's really cool is they had the last song, in um a different language and they're basically singing about how they've reconnected and that they're going to move forward with the help of their ancestors and so it's just a whole lot of deep connection to culture and uh it's why i like it so much it's like i haven't seen anything like it since they've made that movie and they did a lot of they put a lot of care into making it and it definitely should be something people watch at least once
2: Oh, yeah. The thing is, like, I'm not really big on musicals, but right. the songs <laughs> in this movie were really fun. Yeah. And I enju- there's so much pluses for the movie. It's a good movie for young children, has excellent animation. There's a lot of adult humor that people don't under... That kids will look over. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, it just hits it on the head for sure. Yeah. And, Django Fett is her fucking dad, all right?
1: Uh, Django <laughs> Fett? <laughs> Wait. <yeah. laughs> Are you talking about the the actor who plays Django Fett? Yes. What, for real? How did I miss that? Yeah. Holy shit, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. I didn't know
0: that. I, don't know. I, I have to agree with John yeah. on this movie. I have to agree with that it's definitely one of the more, like, one of the deeper cultural movies. Yeah uh it definitely represents the culture that it's trying to represent really well and does a good in-depth look at it being as close to tradition as possible
1: um it also uh one other thing that kind of stood out to me was it appealed to me in a really specific way and i don't know if it did for anybody else but the moment where Moana is trying to figure out what exactly is the calling to the ocean and this missing piece of history that she feels like she doesn't know about and discovering that her family was Voyagers. This is really strongly reminiscent of how, like, immigrant children feel with their own culture, especially being in the United States where you're not living in the original place that your family lived in, and you're now, you're dealing with American culture mixed in with your own culture, depending on where you're from. So, like, for me with my family... I'm second-generation Mexican-American and Guatemal- Guatemalan-American, so I didn't get all of the like, cultural things that they had when they were younger. All, the, only thing, the only connection I have is my grandparents and uh, my family members who lived outside the United States and immigrated. So there's always been a really strong feeling that I was disconnected from a big piece of my own culture and so to see her story play out where she gets reconnected like that is something that is appealing and something that's relatable in a lot of ways and i feel like other people i've talked to other people of color i've talked to feel the same way and so i definitely wanted to point it out
2: Um, uh, yeah
0: Yeah. that's touching that's very touching John.
2: it is it's a very nice Nice fucking sentiment for sure.
0: Also, <laughs> Moana is just Lord of the Rings.
2: Oh uh, yes, <laughs> and finally, we have Moana is exactly finally, Lord of the Rings. We get to the meat of the discussion. Right. Here's another. Yeah, this this is, casual, is where the next
1: hour of this podcast starts.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, we're having an hour left to go. um and No, I, I mean, now that you bring up that the the heart gives life and keeps someone from aging, and as soon as they give it up, they die, and yeah. then.
1: It's Bilbo right. with the ring. Oh, he gives God. it to Frodo.
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, no.
1: Yeah, and then you have to take it her, somewhere. Her just you know, got so to restore an it item. A
0: basic, basic thing to solve the problem.
1: You know, there's, there's uh, two people that go on a journey. There's two people that go on a journey and both of them. Just saying.
0: Yep, Chicken and Moana. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Moana and Maui. <laughs> oh, it's Maui. And, oh, God. No,
1: yeah. no, the Chicken so. is... is um. I don't know what it tracks. Marion
2: Pippin. <laughs> oh God, yes.
0: Marion Pippin. chicken
1: of <laughs> Oh man, that's funny. Is Gandalf the grandmother? No, I'm just kidding. Um, who would? You oh. Know? <laughs> <laughs> no, we've established that, that so, the grandma is Bilbo. Um. Also, there's uh, eagles in both of them. Just saying.
0: There are eagles in both of them. And there's volcanic a thing.
1: things in it. Okay. It's-
2: very funny thing about the eagle though. Yeah. In Moana, yeah. It, ha- it has Maui's haircut. Yeah,
1: it's, dr- it's like a fucking like mullet. <laughs> oh.
0: yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, it's the uh, the uh, what is that that weird off form? It's the Aloha form of Pidgeotto. Uh, oh, With dude! Bullshit. I don't know.
1: I love the 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 alternate versions of the Pokemon on that island. It was great. <laughs> They were like, yeah, like really colorful versions of of the of the Pokemon, and it worked. I think it worked out well.
2: I like the Alolan Executor, <laughs> the giant <laughs> thing.
1: <laughs> oh the man! But but really, towards the end here, what? So what would you guys rate these films, and would you recommend them?
2: Um, I got to give Moana like a nine point five out of ten. Nice and then Kubo a solid eight. all
0: right what about you guys? Uh, I think I would give both of these films nines
1: both of them nines would you guys recommend them yes. absolutely <laughs> uh, yeah absolutely I would, I would you John? <laughs> oh yeah i i i since I feel so strongly about Moana, it's like one of the only movies I know of that I give like a perfect 10 because I can't find anything wrong with it. Like I was really looking through it and like everything about it to me is really enjoyable. And so it's just one of those things that I can watch it over and over again. And then um, Kubo, uh, I would say I'd probably give it like 7.5 or an eight, but that's only because I feel like they could have dived deeper into the Japanese folklore And made some more substantial character developments, but it's a really good adventure, and I think it's worth the watch because it's a crazy visual movie, and it's really enjoyable uh, to see him go through his journey, and then to have a really realistic storyline.
2: Woo! (laughs) Go watch these movies. Yeah,
0: Uh, let's fight about it. (laughs) Um,
1: and then oh, I forgot to ask. Uh, do you guys have favorite scenes?
0: Ooh. Uh. Moana's favorite scene, probably the one where Maui. Oh, no, it's the one where they're where they're fighting the Kokomara. That's probably my favorite <laughs> scene for the movie. And then in Kubo, goddamn, that's that is a lot of cool scenes in that There's one. Where the monkey model, fights their so. sister on the ship.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: What about you, Mer?
2: Um, I really enjoy, in Kubo, the entire scene with the giant skull and they're trying to take out the sword. Uh, that's one of my favorites. As well as the entire intro scene with the origami.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um,
2: that's a good one. And then, in Moana, I really like, uh... How fucking I don't know. I I like the ending battle with the giant lava monster, how she throws the rock and the ocean stops it. How Maui cuts off her arm like mid hawk. I don't know. It was just a lot of fun. And then how green she turns right after when they restore the heart. Yeah. And how fucking just beautiful and luscious it is.
1: Yeah. It's so nice.
2: That's a that's that's yeah. And you're welcome. You're welcome. Just fun. (laughs) This soundtrack's gonna be stuck in my fucking head for weeks.
0: Yeah, I'm just gonna send it to you (laughs)
1: randomly. Uh, what about
2: what about you though, John? What were some of your favorite scenes?
1: Um, I feel like they were smaller moments. Um, so for for Kubo, uh, it was is towards the end there where he, like, has the final moment with the lantern and everything, and how you have this moment in the film where you expect something to happen like really nice and like oh his parents are going to come back or they're just going to magically appear because it's a kid's movie um but there but it doesn't happen that way and it it's actually really like sad and it ends up being realistic and so that's one of the more memorable things for me and then uh the two sisters uh that are just like they're like witches i guess and they're like any scene they were in was just creepy and uh, they they just uh brought a lot of uh cool uh, fighting scenes to the film and i enjoyed it a lot and then for moana uh it was uh probably more towards the end the scene with her grandmother on the boat where she's pretty much been given like she gave up and like her whole thing gets flipped over she even tosses the heart into the ocean and then she has the moment with the grandma where she figures out that This is like her sort of rebirth moment. And then all of her ancestors show up like on the boats next to her. And that to me is like the coolest scene where she's getting all the support. And then that scene is redone again at the end where she is actually sailing with her family away from the islands. And so they sort of like, it's foreshadowing. It's a rebirth. It's a callback to her ancestors. It's a really clever way to incorporate every piece of the story into one thing and then push it forward. And it was just really good. It's good storytelling, I think, is why I like it so much.
2: Hell, yeah. It is really good storytelling.
1: Um, and it fits well with the, like, storytelling element that comes along with a lot of cultures. Hell, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that was pretty much it. Was there anything else you guys wanted to mention?
2: No. <laughs> no, I'm good. Stay safe. Right, Yeah, yeah stay safe
1: fucking listen to your quarantine rules use gloves, use a face mask stop going outside yeah. and touching things <laughs> yeah. uh, actually stay inside and stop ignoring quarantine because we've seen a few people ignoring it um, unless of course you need supplies and whatnot um, Yeah. but before everybody goes I want to remind everyone we're super easy to find in all of the streaming services so we're on all of the main ones we are on Spotify as well as um, Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio And you can find us pretty much on any site that you have podcasts. You can also go to our website, which is bdtghpodcast.com. And you can watch, I'm sorry, you can listen to the podcast there. um, Or you can follow the links to one of the streaming services that works best for you. Um, We also have our social media. So we have our Facebook, our Twitter, and our Instagram, which you can find at bdgth. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. bdtgh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> underscore podcast and you'll be able to follow us there and see um all of the posts for the newest episodes and for any content that we find interesting but thank you guys for joining me and talking to me over skype about these two uh animation films and i hope everyone has a good night
0: i'm
2: mitch i'm mer and i'm
1: jonathan thank you